welcome back or welcome to the Humans of Triathlon or Hot podcast where we bring you the ordinary but extraordinary world of triathlon one human one story at a time with the aim to inspire and to celebrate this life-changing sport and its humans through real authentic raw and enjoyable conversations with humans of triathlon from around the globe and from all walks of life Hello humans of triathlon Swapnil Chauhan here from Melbourne Australia joined by my two co-hosts as always Carlos aka Charles Hunk from London UK and Sheila Trelevin from Ontario Canada This is episode number 50 and we are joined by a special guest So with over 30 years in the sport and that is 30 yes she has done every possible distance you can imagine Well maybe except those crazy double triple ironman ones right but other than a super healthy lifestyle practicing the sport has enabled her to achieve multiple physical feats across a vast number of geographies things like bike touring across europe climbing to the top of the highest mountain in africa or swimming across the deepest lake in the united states She is clearly a veteran and her role model is none other than the famous Iron Nun. For those who don't know who is, she's the oldest woman who finished an Ironman when she finished Ironman Canada, which by the way in Ironman standards is not precisely a walk in the park when she was 82 years old. So, your guest for tonight who you know already as our lovely colleague and co-host of your hot podcasts during season 1. So we have welcome the none other than the rat mom, rat Robin Mayal. Hi Robin. Hey. Hi. It's really good welcome to hear you guys again. Yay. <laughs> How's it to hear your own intro after giving intros for others? Well, you know, I I was kind of terrified when I heard Charles was going to do the intro because, you know, <laughs> he has these crazy intros. Um, so that was awesome. That was really good. That's, you know. I be behaving. And I want to clarify that I am not 82 years old, but my idol is. So. Exactly. Exactly. Very important. Yeah. It's awesome to finally get you on the show. Um, have you been listening to the podcast at all? Yeah, I've been trying to catch him where I can. It's weird to hear it from the outside. <laughs> I'm sure when you're listening you go like, yeah, I, I would have asked that question or that question or that question. <laughs> no, I I don't know. It's it's different. It's like uh it's like my my brain is a listener and not a a talker, I guess. I don't know. But I do miss I I think the thing I miss the most is just meeting the people. Like you know, you podcast hosts, you get to meet all these amazing people. And of course, Your listeners get to meet them just kind of, you know, along for the journey. Um, but it's it is pretty cool to kind of feel like you made that personal connection with these you know, all these incredible athletes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree with you totally. That's been what's been, you know, one of the greatest things for for me coming in to the podcast is is um getting to connect with these people from all over the world and and all different types of disciplines and and uh, backgrounds it's it's um it's really exciting to to be part of this yeah, it's very motivating <laughs> yeah so like charles mentioned you've been in the sport for 30 years that's 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 more than me sheila and charles 
combined like how long we've been that's that's more number of years than i've been alive yeah so really way to make me feel old sloppy. Shh, you're not supposed to say those things it's okay i think swapping up the same age as my oldest kid so like i'm you know it's kind of funny <laughs> So as you know, we like to start things off by going back in time. Um, so talk to us, like how how did it all start? When did it all start? And yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, I kind of anticipated this question at least. Um, I guess like I would say I was born to be a swimmer. Like I think I was a dolphin in a former life or something. Like I just have this, I've always had this connection to the water. Um, my mom would probably tell you that I, fling myself into any available body of water or like <laughs> stream swimming pool mud puddle whatever and refuse to get out so there's just like there's something there with me and water um that i've always just loved and um actually like sea creatures always come up to me too like i always have to warn my scuba diving buddies like big thing like whales and dolphins and whale sharks and stuff just swim up to me so it's like i, really? I don't know yeah, it's really weird. Like, I've literally had all these different sea creatures, manta rays. Wow. Yeah, a whale swam right up to me. Um, just so, I don't know, there's something, like, in me in the water that I just, I feel like I recognize the water and the water recognizes me. It's like you were a mermaid in your past life. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think when I was dating online, my, my online name was I'm Dolphin. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's where I'm at. Uh, so I guess I always knew I would swim. I would be a swimmer, um, but unfortunately, I had a, a truly terrible swim coach when I was a, an age grouper, and he really discouraged me from swimming. Um, he told me I was lazy and unathletic. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. When you're nine years old, that's kind of harsh, um, harsh thing to hear. And uh, so he really kind of demotivated me, I guess. <sighs> And sometimes I think that's why I love to pass on my love of swimming because I, I want people to, you know, really enjoy it and feel like they're excited by it and, and powerful when they're in the water. So, and I found out later on uh, in life, actually many years later, that I am severely anemic. I just tend towards anemia and I'm, I'm always anemic. And if I don't stay on top of my iron, I get really, really badly anemic. Or as my doctor said, I've never seen anybody with less red blood cells other than cancer patients. <laughs> wow. But um, wow. so I think, yeah, so I just tend to not have a lot of red blood cells. So I don't have a lot of oxygen. And I think what I was experiencing as a kid was just I would just run out of air. And when you swim, you know, oxygen is uh, hard to come by because your face is in the water. So I think what my swim coach was responding to is I would just come up and gasp and, and he saw that as laziness. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Old school swim coach. Yeah. So all you swim coaches out there, you know, like take it easy on your kiddos and, and motivate, don't demotivate. <laughs> um, so I didn't really swim competitively again, um, which is kind of a bummer because, you know, I'm a reasonably good swimmer. Um, and then uh, when I was in college, I took a swim conditioning class uh, just to lose my freshman 15 I gained from eating dorm food. And uh, the assistant swim coach taught the class and he was like, you should be on the swim team. And I'm like, I don't even know how to do a flip turn. Um, and he convinced me to walk onto the swim team. So that is how I really started being a competitive athlete. So wait, after that coach... After that coach like demotivated you, you basically <laughs> left it? 
yeah, I didn't swim. I didn't swim through high school. I didn't swim through. Yeah, I didn't swim from when I competitively from when I was nine to when I was in college. Oh, that's terrible. So, oh. yeah, I mean, I swam. I swam at lake. I swam in the river. I swam at the pool. You know, I always swam. I've always swam, but I didn't swim competitively. So there's a lot of things I didn't know um, when I got into competitive swimming. Uh, you know, a lot of things just technique wise and. And um, I just didn't have that built up athleticism that kids have when they compete through high school sports. You know, I didn't have a lot of endurance built up into my system. So, uh, so it was really different, you know, becoming a college swimmer, but I swam um, for the last uh, three years of my college. So, so what was that like just walking on to the college swim team after not really swimming from the age of nine, like as a competitive swimmer? Well, it was like being in the slow lane at first. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had to learn, like I had to learn how to do flip turns, you know, and I was never the fastest person on the team. Um, but, you know, I began to be able to hold my own kind of middle distance. I think if I had swum all the way, I would have been a distance swimmer, um, but I just didn't have the accumulated yeah. like um, endurance yet because I hadn't been swimming. I don't think my real um, forte is like anything under a thousand yards. <laughs> okay. Um, and and when I compete now, like if I compete in a swim meet, like the last one I came in third in the 500, second in the thousand, and first in the 1650, 50. because I just swim the same pace no matter what. It just <laughs> yeah. The longer I go, the faster it looks. <laughs> it's perfect for Ironman. So, yeah, exactly. So perfect for a triathlon. Um, so yeah. I just didn't know it. And and I I tell people sometimes, like, um, you know, kids sports, they don't, people don't really consider endurance um, when you talk about kids sports. Kids sports are all sprinting sports, like soccer and, you know, um, or I guess football, um, where it's called everywhere else. Um, most sports that kids play require a lot of sprinting and not a lot of endurance. So I didn't really realize I'm an endurance athlete till a lot later. But my college swim coach was like really instrumental in that. And I think I wrote in my bio for Humans of Triathlon that he was like the most influential person in my life at that point. So was he the one that got you into running and triathlon as well? Yeah, yeah. He made us all do a triathlon, which was fairly hysterical um, <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, we didn't, we weren't triathletes and, and it was really um, a fairly new sport. So this has been like 1986. So it hadn't been around a long time, especially in Oregon uh, where I went to college and we all had like crappy student bicycles and, and we just ran and like we threw some shorts on over our swimsuit or whatever. And um, it was just sort of a motley crew and, and I did not think I could run a 5k. So that was like my big sort of mental hurdle. I knew I could bike cause I rode my bike everywhere as a kid and I, I knew I could bike, but I didn't think I could run. And my coach was, he was nearing retirement age. So he was you know, like 62 and he said, well, Robin, you come out and go for a run with this old man, you know, and he patted his stomach. He's like, I got a big Buddha belly and I'm in my sixties. If you can't keep up with me, <laughs> then, you know, uh, you're in trouble. And, uh, so I did, I went out for a run with him and, uh, he just kind of jollied me along. He talked to me through the whole time. He actually talked to me about scuba diving. He's the one who got me interested in scuba diving. I remember him telling me all these adventures of scuba diving in Baja. And, and I just remember thinking, Oh my God, this is, 
it, he was going to take me on a one mile run. This is so far. A mile is so far. I cannot, you know, I, I can barely finish this mile. And we got back to the bridge and I said, coach, you know, I can barely run a mile. There's no way I'm going to run a 5k. There's just no way. And he said, Robin, you just did. Oh. <laughs> no wonder that mile felt <laughs> so, so long. <laughs> it Gosh. did, but you know that's that was the best lesson ever. Like it, the barrier was all in my mind, mm. right? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't fast, but I ran a mile. I mean, I ran three miles. Yeah, you ran three. Yeah, it was probably my best like lesson ever. Is just that so many of the barriers we have are just in our minds. You know, mm. so that was it. I got so clearly the difference between a motivating <laughs> coach and uh, your previous one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just had that thing. You know, you could make a move. You know, the movies with the inspiring coach. He was that kind of coach. Mm-hmm. He was that kind of coach. He used humor, and he used, you know, he was just funny. He was hard too. He was really hard, but he was funny, and um, you know, he just jollied us along. And then kind of beat us up a bit and delayed us along and you know um that that kind of coach that you really want to have and yeah and so I guess in a in a certain sense he's just kind of always there in my head even though he's passed on a few years ago he's he's the coach with the capital C so the, he he just took you off so you guys did a triathlon with him was that your first try yep that was my first try okay and uh after that, it just, uh, I just knew I, you know, like so many people, I just knew I wanted to do another one. Um, so I just pretty much got hooked. That was um, from my last year of college on. I, I didn't really swim competitively again, um, but I got into triathlons and, and really started training. And, and, you know, one thing leads to another. You get another bike. <laughs> you want to do a longer race. and and it just spun off, I guess for me, it spun off this whole journey into um, having a body that could do so many things. Like I started bike touring and hiking. It just, it created this sort of upward spiral in my life where everything um, felt like I could tackle it because I tackled this thing you know, a little bit at a time and, you know, and the next distance and the next distance. And I think that carries over into everything. For sure. So uh, we're talking about 1980-something, right? Yeah. I don't want to make, I don't want to focus again on the fact that maybe Swapnil wasn't born yet. <laughs> right? But, uh, and you said you got hooked into triathlon, but wasn't it like a, such a, like a weird sport back then? Like, it's not your typical track and field, your basketball, your swimming. No, it's like this combination of things that people seem to be doing and training all day and all night. So, what, what, how was it? What was the perception of the sport back then? Um, I think the perception of the sport was a little crazy, especially. I, I don't remember what year uh, Julie Moss's Ironman crawl was televised, but that was that was kind of the perception of the sport. It was a whole bunch of crazy people going out and training themselves to death, and then like crawling across finish lines. <laughs> um, and the sport itself was. I, I mean, it was. It's hard to explain now because now it's such a professionalized sport and there's coaches and equipment and gear and all this stuff. And none of that existed. I mean, not even like really gels or, you know, m- much in the way of drink mixes. 
you used to be able to order this drink mix from this guy in California that was called Gookinade, and he made it in his like garage. Um, and it would come in this this baggie of white powder in the mail. I kid you not. <laughs> you get your two pound baggie of white powder in the mail um, and pray that the you know post office didn't think you were shipping cocaine or something. Um, <laughs> and the first person I know who did an Iron Man like taped 25 Tootsie Pops to his bike because there was no gels. He would just crunch up a Tootsie Pop, you know, and we passed around recipes for like the iron cookies. They were the cookies that you baked up that had like the right protein, you know, carb mix for an Iron Man or whatever. It was just very like seat of your pants. Um, you know, and there wasn't a lot of specialized like tri suits. Uh, our triathlon club, a guy used to come from the local scuba shop and measure us all and he would custom make our wetsuits. Oh, wow. So there was no triathlon wetsuit. You got measured. Yeah, my first triathlon wetsuit was like custom made. It fit me like a glove. It was so nice. Nice. Um, but of course, none of them had sleeves because the neoprene hadn't gotten to that point of being flexible enough to have sleeves. So if you did like Ironman Canada and, it, you know, water temperature was like 58 degrees, <laughs> well, your arms just fell off, <laughs> uh, you know. So it was just, you know, it was fun in that sense is that it was evolving all the time and, and people were trying new things and and trying different things. And, and it was just fun in that way. Um, and some of my race pictures from early on, just some really horrifying outfits that I wore. Um, Maybe I'll maybe I'll put one to to go with the the podcast. Um, that would be awesome. Yeah, I'll find. I've got this one where I'm wearing these like ballooning neon lime yellow shorts, and they're like flapping in the wind and on my bike, and it's just they look ludicrous. I look like I'm wearing like a parachute on my butt. That's neon. <laughs> I'll see if I can find that one. Um, so it was all experimental, but it was fun. And the race distances were also not like so set in stone. So I went and looked back at some of my race distance results. You would get your results mailed to you in a manila envelope and they were like run off on somebody's photocopy or, or something. Um, and I was like, these times are all so weird. But I think it was just because the distances weren't standard. Like a sprint triathlon might have like a, you know, a 13.8 mile bike and a 4.1 mile run or something like my times were all over the map um, in terms of finish times. I think it's just because there wasn't like the sprint, the Olympic, the 70.3, you know. Mm. So I think the other main difference is that people didn't really expect to do an Ironman like for maybe five or six years. Like it was seen as this far off goal. Um, and I think now it's, it's such a, a draw, such an appealing thing. Back then it was seen as like this crazy thing you would do once you had really like paid your dues. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and you know, of course it wasn't advertised like it is now and didn't have this kind of big okay. appeal. And there was only a few of them you had to travel. Yeah, of course. That's uh yeah, for sure. You, uh, <laughs> I, I just, I, I, I just remember watching some of like the old, old YouTube videos like and it would be before even be, that sounds terrible before even your time um <laughs> sorry it's I'm okay I'm good 
um but like seeing like the outfits that that the guys are wearing and they're like not even got a helmet on and they're wearing like jeans shorts and they're like yeah i even heard like one of the first iron man when they started doing them in hawaii it was like they put money in their pocket and stopped in the variety stores and like (laughs) yeah got food or mcdonald's yeah Yeah, they went through mcdonald's (laughs) drive-through in on a bike in the iron man yeah yeah you could get get your calorie your nutrition in yeah there's there's some book of iron stories it's like 12 iron stories or something and one of them is from either the first or the second year of the iron man and it is the funniest triathlon story i've ever read it's so good i mean it's just it the guy who wrote it is funny and it and it really just shows that yeah i think he couldn't change a tire so he bought solid rubber tires (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he like taped a, a radio to his bike so he could have music the whole way <laughs> just, like you know this big transistor radio yeah um so it was a little it was a little like that it was a little fun Ryan is old 10 speed I think it set the stage because you know triathlon now it's still a different sport than other sports like there's still a little bit of a different attitude like you know, you go into a marathon, they roll up the finish line, the poor last place person, there's no, there's nobody out on the course, there's a policeman following them on a motorcycle. And, (laughs) and, you know, they've wrapped up all the aid stations, and they're coming in, there's crickets at the finish line. And it's so different from an Ironman finish line where, you know, that's where the party is, and everybody's cheering. And it's just a different feeling to me than most sports is that everybody is kind of a rock star in triathlon. And instead of like just the pros, it's true. Actually, it's funny because you know it's different. I've I've done two two Ironman, but you, so far I've got a third this year. But you come in, you watch like the pros come in, and yeah, there's the cheering, but there's only a little bit of cheering. Right when people start coming in at the dark, it's then there's it's cheering. literally that party you just said, and and the cheering and the crowd is huge, and it's like you almost want to come in at the end. Right. So that you can like get part of that. You yeah, know? that energy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it re- really is a different. It really is a much different sport. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that it just is carried through. I like that about it that it didn't get commercialized to the point where people got jaded or and there's a few like aggro people out there on the course and you know, but but for the most part, triathletes are super supportive of each other, and it's nice. They they really are. It's a great community. Yep, and maybe that's why I keep doing it. <laughs> I know, me too. Yeah. Well, I'm going to pull you back to swimming, though. That's okay. Okay. You had mentioned that after college, you didn't you didn't like you weren't competitive anymore, and swimming. Well, however, <laughs> you, you. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No. No. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, but you are a master swim coach for a really long time now. So you must love. Yeah. So I do swim and I swim in swim meets sometimes. I guess I don't like, um, there's some master swimmers who are pretty hardcore um, and they swim. That's what they do. Like they swim and they go to nationals and worlds and stuff. And I've never been that hardcore about just swimming because I never just train. Like I don't just swim five or six days a week because I do triathlons. So it's just kind of a conscious choice. Like um, there's a woman in Oregon who's in my age group who beats me most of the time, <laughs> except at the very long distances. And like she, when our kids were little, she was telling me, yeah, I got, um, I got a babysitter who sleeps over on, you know, um, so I can get to practice at five in the morning. 
And I was like, oh my God, that is just way more hardcore than I'll ever be about swimming again. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I mean, I, I swim, but I don't swim like super competitively. Like I don't put enough time in it to, to be a, what I'd call a competitive swimmer. Okay, so you're still the ma- master swimming, but you're also a master's coaching. So you obviously, like you said, you love the water. So yeah, what got you into coaching for the last 15 years? for swimming? Um, well, let's see the club that I was swimming at. So I swam masters when I lived in Washington, I had some really good coaches. And then we moved down here to Oregon. And um, I was swimming at a club here. And my then husband, my now ex husband and I um, were both pilots. And we had been building an aircraft hangar. This is kind of a long roundabout way of saying this. We'd been building an aircraft hangar uh, to sell as sort of our big investment. And um, we built it and we got it on the market uh, on September 7th of 2001. And on September 11th, the Twin Towers fell and aircraft stopped flying and um, the nation, you know, just kind of froze in place. Um, so it was, you know, obviously a very hard time for America in general, but aviation specifically. So we had this huge debt out there that we were paying on every month. And so I had to drop my club membership, um, which, you know, is like the last thing, like, okay, I could stop eating maybe, but I could keep my pool membership. <laughs> you know? But so it was really hard for me. So I went in and told my teammates that you know i was gonna stop swimming there and and um the woman who was then in charge of the aquatics department was like well you're always like helping people out do you want to just be the swim coach um and then you could swim here (laughs) uh so that's how i got into coaching nice but i had been like coaching i just kind of always been helping people and and um stuff like that anyways but yeah so it was just kind of formalized it i guess well that's a good way to get into it. Yeah. <laughs> it's rather roundabout, yeah. but yeah. The thing is, oh, you must really enjoy what you're doing because you're still doing it, you know, now that you're, you know, so far past that time period. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's hard um, because I have a pretty engaging full-time job now. Yeah. So this may actually be my last year swim coaching, oh. um, at least for a while, maybe till I'm retired or something. Um, cause it's just a lot and, and it really, I do kind of, you know, pour out my heart into it. Um, and, but we have a great team here. We've got a great group of people and we've had some other coaches. I'm one of three coaches now, so I'm not the only coach. And, um, so there's other people that kind of carry the program forwards, but we, we built up a really great team. So I'm going to shout out to my aqueducts who are, you know, just also some of my good friends and, you know, you develop that community of people and they are definitely that. And a lot of them are triathletes and open water swimmers and we've had some great adventure swims and stuff. So, so I'll always be engaged with them, whether I'm coach or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going back to triathlon, um, you know, just you, you've been in the sport for 30 years now. So obviously it's, it's been something that's been constant throughout your life, throughout most of your life. So like, I'm sure the meaning of the sport and the reason you do you do them and the way it fits into your life has like sort of changed over the years. So can you just talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think um, in my early years, it was just, I, I guess for me, it's always been like a really important outlet because I'm, I'm kind of, um, hmm, how do I put this, sort of high strung. I've got a lot of energy 
and a lot of thoughts bouncing around inside my head at all times. And I've worked in some pretty um, demanding jobs. Like I worked at Microsoft. I was a software engineer there. And the time I spend you know, in the pool or on my bike or on the run, it's just my time to get my brain to quiet down, to just be fully engaged in wherever I'm at and not just be thinking, thinking, thinking. And so for me, it's it's been my outlet. It's been my thing. Um, so I think that's part of why I, I stayed with it. It's, it's just kind of that escape. And then when um, my now ex-husband and I were going to have kids, um, he kind of talked me into having kids. And I was I was kind of, that was the part I was most scared about was giving up that time because it, I feel like it helps keep me kind of sane and, and together, <laughs> keeps, keeps my act together. Um, so we kind of drew up a contract where I would get one to two hours a day to exercise as part of our sort of parenting contract. Um, and, you know, bless his soul, he stuck to it. So I trained all through, you know, my pregnancies and after the kids were born and stuff. And oftentimes very creatively with strollers and bike trailers and um, with other moms at a park taking turns watching the kids or, or whatever. But uh, it still remained kind of my way to reset, reboot my day. And, and frankly, gave me a lot of more patience for, you know, things like being a working mom, being a full-time mom, eventually became a homeschooling mom. And that, that time to myself just remained really necessary. So the, the sport itself, you know, the amount of competitiveness I've been has kind of come and gone. Sometimes I've been super competitive in the sport and, you know, coming in top five women in, you know, a lot of races. And then sometimes I'm just kind of, it's amateur hour <laughs> and, and that's okay. I've just kind of got, gotten to the point where I'm, I'm okay with all of that. Just wherever I'm at at that moment, you know, if it was one, you know, a few months postpartum and I was nursing my kid right before the start line and then run into the finish shoot and then nursing my kid right after the finish, you know, because I had a baby and that's the way it goes. That was just, that's what it was. Um, and uh, actually, I, I'll, I'll say that was one of my, one of my moments that shows the, the true nature of triathlon is I was standing at the triathlon start in that race and I had had to put on this, I bought this, uh, so, you know, being a nursing mom, anybody out there who's been a nursing mom will relate to this. I had to buy this bra called the Last Resort Bra. <laughs> Literally, nice. I think it's from Title IX Sports. It was like, keep those bad boys in place while you're running, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> motion control bra is what they're called. So, um, so somebody asked me, like, what are you wearing under your swimsuit? <laughs> and I just kind of explained. And somebody's like, so you're nursing like a four-month-old? I'm like, yeah. And everybody turned around and started clapping. And uh, that was just one of those moments that was just like so like, ah, you know, just to get that kind of support. Okay. I was going to ask you how that made you feel when <laughs> everyone was clapping. <laughs> like, good I, I for guess you. Yeah, it was awesome. It was like supportive. Like there I am That's wearing good. this dorky, you know, yet another dorky Robin triathlon outfit, not looking like, you know, the Instagram pictures of everybody today, all yeah. smooth and coordinated and, you know, your socks match your handlebar tape or whatever. Um, you know, it was just nice. It was very supportive. And, and I felt like I, again, it's why I'm here. It's why I keep coming back. Yeah. And honestly, that, that would be super inspiring 
to know that like, <laughs> that's amazing that you can do that. Right. Cause we all know so many women that, you know, they, they have a baby and then it's like, they let everything go, you know? Well, it's hard. Sometimes you have to let some things go. Yeah. You always let some things go, but you don't have to let everything (laughs) go, right? Like it shouldn't be an excuse just to fall apart and eat bonbons and not exercise and eat bonbons. Take care of yourself. (laughs) Well, you know, I'll have to say that's where having at that time my husband being really supportive of that really made a difference. Because I think a lot of women, they, you know, they don't get the time to themselves. Um, You know, either their partner isn't available or they're, you know, not in a um, steady relationship with their partner or just they don't get the kind of support. You know, you'll see around the age like 28 to 35 when women are really in child, you, you know, you'll see a lot of guys at triathlons in those age groups. And sometimes there's not a lot of women. It's no, sometimes not. an easier age group than like 40 to 45 is a harder age group, right? Yeah, yeah um, women one. just kind of drop out. Yeah. So I think that that's part of it is I was just lucky to have the support. Um, you know, my Iron Man picture where I actually, you can't do this anymore, cross the finish line, hold my kids' hands, and I'm, and they're, they're like trying to ask me questions. I'm like, run, run, the finish line's still in front of us. You, know, you got to keep running. Um, you know, so getting to share that with them, um, my husband at the time made that possible. So that was, um, that was actually a very nice um, thing that I had in my life. Yeah, that's incredible. I hope you got lots of pictures from that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got lots of good pictures. <laughs> so out of all the other races that you've done, do you have any ones that stand out to you? Hmm, yeah. Um, so I think one of my favorite races I used to do in Canada was called the Sri Chinmoy Triathlon. At the time, I think it was the biggest race in Canada. It was in um, it was on Vancouver Island. And I know that I think that may, might be where they have the 70.3 now uh, is at this this lake there. It's beautiful. I mean, it's, you know, Vancouver Island's just lovely. And um, but Sri Chinmoy was this kind of um, guru kind of a guy. He was sort of a cross between like, uh, I don't know, the Dalai Lama and Jack LaLanne. He was kind of like a, a spiritual leader who was also sort of an exercise freak. And he would have his followers do these kind of like weird feats of like, like for instance, he would sponsor a marathon, but it was around a high school track. Oh, God. So, yeah, right? <laughs> so like it was mental, like it was really mental, right? Um, so it was about sort of meditation as, you know, and, and he would do these things where he would like lift incredible weights or tow a I don't know, freight car or something. He just did these incredible things, mind body things. Um, and so they put on this race and it was, it was, like I said, it was big. It was like 800 people mass starts. So it was my first really big mass start. Um, and it was in this beautiful place and they would cook like this vegan feast the night before. And all of his followers would turn out for the race and they would like cheer and they'd have little bells and um, it was just like a really different vibe <laughs> than most races, but it was just a combination of just kind of the atmosphere, the support, and just sort of the natural beauty there. Um, I remember being, and the, the run finishes on this trail around the lake, and I remember seeing these two mink like run across the, the trail in front of me, you know, <laughs> so you're just kind of out in this beautiful nature. So I, I'd say that was one of my favorite races, and I used to go up and do it every year. 
Um, and they had these really cool race t-shirts that had like weird metaphysical poetic kind of um, sayings on them. So it was fun. So that was a standout. <laughs> Maybe one of my other favorites is I used to do this race. It was called an enduro triathlon. And I don't know if they do them in Australia anymore, Swap Meal. Um, it came from Australia, the idea. And it was you did an Olympic triathlon, but you did it as two sprints back to back. So you did swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run. Yeah, I haven't seen too many of those. <laughs> that was a trip. That was really fun. Because it, for me, you know, you couldn't wear a wetsuit, of course, your second time around. So that always gives me an advantage. Because, um, you know, when triathletes take off their wetsuits, they can't swim for shit, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was always a bonus for me. So, And it was also on a trail around this lake. So it was really pretty. So That would be hard. <laughs> Well, now that sort of racing is part of like the Super League stuff, right? They, I think they have an enduro stage or something on that as well. Yeah, I don't know. It was cool. Um, but it, it is really hard to get to start swimming again after you run. I'll have to say that was trippy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, were there any drownings in that <laughs> event? <laughs> I think that's why they stopped doing it. It's probably a liability. Yeah. Because you would cramp up really bad. Um Oh yeah, and then there's here's another funny one. I did. I used to do this race up in um, in Washington at Lake Stevens. It was actually the same lake where they had the seventy point three there eventually. And um, they started out as a triathlon. They moved it to a quadrathon, so it was swim, bike, run, kayak, or canoe. So I didn't really know how to kayak, so I borrowed a boat from a friend. And then like I was I was actually out in front, so I was in first place women's when I got to the boat. Um, but I couldn't get in it and I almost tipped over and it was just really ludicrous. And then as I'm kayaking, I'm still out in front of all the women's field. Right. But I can't kayak in a straight line. So I'm like zigging and zagging. And I see this woman behind me, like gaining on me, like a beeline, like she's just going straight and I'm just like all over the lake. And then, um, you get to the end Well, you've swam and you've biked and you've run, and then you've sat with your legs cramped in this kayak oh. and you get out and you had to run like a hundred yards up the beach and like your legs don't work. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like crawling and, oh, it was just, um, it was quite funny. Oh. Yeah. I, I did manage to hold on to first place by crawling part of the way to the finish line. So there's my Julie Moss moment right there. <laughs> Nice. Sounds like a rough event, but it sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> I think that is one thing I miss a little bit with triathlon now is it's a little more serious. Yeah. And the and people the events are so like they're always a sprint or an Olympic or a seventy point three or a one forty point six. And there's not as much just experimentation. Nobody just puts on an event and is like, Hey, what if we do this? I think that's gonna become more it's gonna that's gonna start happening a lot more. Like you see the swim runs happening yeah. and all this new these new formats coming up. So I'm sure that's where it's headed. Yeah, I want to do a swim run. That's one of my main goals for next year. Well, I want to hear about it when you do it. Because like, <laughs> it's so neat, like just all the different things they wear, right? The paddles and the whatever and how you run with your swim with your shoes and your yeah whatever. Yeah. So it's a new challenge. It's like a different different kind of challenge. Yeah. Carry everything with you. Yeah. Well, they'll have new shoes, I'm sure, eventually. Or you wear those. Well, depend. I guess it would depend on the terrain because you don't want to wear those like, like shoes, like the barefoot shoes or whatever. Because what if the terrain's really 
Well, I, I've run about 80% of my miles in those and I run on trails oh, really? most of the time. So I probably, I probably would wear those. Yeah. Cause it, I would think that would be the easiest if you wanted to keep them on for swimming, they would be probably be the easiest thing to do. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like I might actually have an advantage there. I mean, I almost never have an advantage in running cause I, I'm a pretty terrible runner, but, um, I might have an advantage there because I'm used to it. Yeah. That'd be cool to hear about when you do it. So. Yeah. Well, the trick there is finding a partner. True. You know, because you have to finish together. You have to do the whole race together. Ah. So most of the people I know are much better runners than me and much slower swimmers than me. So like, I've got some great people I'd love to do it with. But I mean, we'd both be waiting for each other. And do you have to finish each leg together or can you just cross the yeah. final finish no, line No, you do the whole race together. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Rules. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's the tricky part. So. I got to find somebody who's as bad at running as I am and is a pretty decent swimmer. <laughs> Shout out to your listeners there. You know, somebody's really interested in swim run. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever plan on going even longer than Ironmans? Or because, you know, you've done a few other events, like the long swims that you've done, you've done some climbing and mountains and stuff like that. Do you, that, you want to go more into that or maybe try even these double Ironmans or triple Ironmans and stuff like that? Um, yeah, I do have some like dreams. Um, you know, I, I guess most people who have seen my stuff on Instagram know I had a really bad injury two years ago. Um, I'm still, I can't really talk about it because there's a lawsuit involved, but I'm still not really fully recovered. So I don't know if I'll ever even be able to do half Ironman distance again yet. Um, I'm hopeful. But I, I just don't know. So there's kind of, I had some stuff kind of out there in my mind, but I'm, I'm holding on to it and hoping. And actually, the one I really want to do is the Arch to Arc, which is the um, you run from London to the English Channel, and then you swim the English Channel, and then you bike to Paris. Oh, wow. Um, That's amazing. It, it's like an 87-mile run, then the English Channel, and then like a hundred and... 90 mile bike or something. It's pretty crazy, but it's, I, I guess, like, I don't, I don't know if I could just do multiple Ironmans over and over, but I could do something crazy like that. Mm -hmm. So is that race done? How many days is that race? Uh, I, it's, you do it as an individual. So it's not like you're racing against anybody else, but I think the finish times vary from like 68 to 94 hours or something like that. Oh, wow. So, so it's, it's, you know, it is a, it, I just thought I didn't know if it was like he did yeah, so, one, like one leg, like one day, and then two days later you swim the channel, and then they do it all at once. No, so the times are all it's all concurrent. So, and I think that there's some logistics because swimming the channel itself is a logistic thing where you have to have a boat and a pilot and yeah. the tides and everything. So you would kind of have to logistically plan your run accordingly, and then you got to figure sleep in there. So I guess that's why it appeals to me. Like, um, as opposed to one of those things where you do an Ironman a day or something, just because you, it, it would be kind of a mental challenge. Like you'd have to work out all this stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, something like that. And if I can't do something like that, I probably can do some longer swims. So I've been looking at, um, you know, channel swims, marathon swims, um, as possibilities, but we'll just have to see how they, how the healing process continues. It is hard not to feel like at my peak anymore like i i'm i can't really go long or go hard at anything so i'm just kind of training and so what's that like i mean you know having 
done the sport for so long and being it being that outlet that you just talked about earlier and now that you can't do it as much what's that like really hard (laughs) i mean i guess the my saving grace is i can i can go you know a reasonable amount of time like Mm -hmm. at first when i was injured i didn't know if i'd be able to run again for instance or if i'd be able to bike you know, that is mentally really hard where you're just saying to yourself, I don't know if I can do this thing I love. And I have not been able to return to martial arts, which is kind of my other passion. So that is hard. Um, But now I guess I just feel grateful for whatever I can do. Um, So I can swim, I can bike, I can run, not as hard, not as long, but I can do it. And I did a sprint race last year. I'll probably do at least one sprint this year. And I just am trying to be happy with what I've got because you know, frankly, I don't, I don't know too many people who get 30 plus years, you know, in anything. So I'm just, I'm grateful, I guess. But, you know, like, like my, my, my idol sister, Madonna, um, I, that's kind of where I always had hoped to see myself is just being able to do this, you know, in, into my later years. And, and I've, I've divorced and remarried. My husband is um, 13 years younger than me. So we've kind of made a pact. <laughs> he, we want to see our 50th wedding anniversary, which means I have to live to 100. So um, that's kind of a tall order. <laughs> he only has to make it till 87. So I've got to keep myself in like really great shape. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, and we get to do a lot of stuff together. We bike together and stuff. And it's really, um, so that again, is just keeping my love of doing these things together we've been doing some backpacking and other stuff kayaking and i want to be in that kind of shape that you know that i can continue to keep up with them which you know as you get older gets more challenging so so i have a question it's not related to triathlon but it is related to the first thing you have on your instagram under your name and it says you are a student of the universe. Oh. <laughs> so what does that mean exactly? Um, oh, that's a good question. Just like my brain is like a giant sponge and I'm always reading, learning, experiencing. Like yeah. I think uh, some people just kind of, like you said, you know, go home watch a few episodes of something, go to bed, get up, do it all over again. Like I'm, I'm never going to be like that. I want to, you know, both in sports and, you know, in my mental life, in my spiritual life, in my home life, my life with love and family and friends, I just always want to be growing and learning and, and doing new things. So I guess that's, that's it. Like, you know, I'm, I don't know, I've learned to speak a new language in the last you know, decade, like I'm never going to stop learning things, doing things. I learned to play fiddle when my daughter got into Celtic fiddle. I just bought a violin and just like, oh, I'm going to learn to do this too. You know, like you never stop growing and learning. I like that. Thank Mm, you. Because that's when I read your Instagram, that's the first thing I said, I said to my husband, I said, I wonder what this means, (laughs) like student of the universe. So I like that. I like your definition. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Robin. So as you know, um, the we have a few questions to take us to the end of the show here. Um, <laughs> what's the message you'd want people listening to take away from your story? Ah, uh, I think that you know, if I look at bookending it with sort of those two things that that the start of triathlon, I learned that most of my barriers were mental, 
and that, you know, we can overcome a lot if we remove those mental barriers. Um, and that's what triathlon just teaches me over and over and over. Um, and I think at the end that, yeah, just being a student of the universe means always looking out and trying new things or trying the same thing a different way or going to a new place or, you know, um, so I think that that those two things are what make me love the sport. I guess that's what I'd hope to pass on to somebody at least. Okay. And are there any people or brands that you'd like to give a shout out to? Gosh, I don't know. Most of my, uh, most of my friends in the sport and stuff, I don't know that most of them are on Instagram. So, but you know, like I said before, my, my aqueducts group and, um, and my husband and my kids, everybody that's been super supportive of this craziness through my whole life. My husband, Bryce, who's just totally amazing and, and really um, supports me going and, and doing these things at all hours of the day and night. And um, my kids, Kenzie and Asa, um, are pretty awesome people. So, yeah, I guess that's it. Awesome. Okay, and before we ask our last question, tell everyone where they can find and follow you online. I'm on Instagram at, at radmomrobin. Although, I don't know, I keep thinking I might change my username at some point. So Why? It's pretty cool. <laughs> well, I don't know. I guess because my youngest is turning 20. And I don't know, the momhood phase is kind of like falling behind me a little bit. Um, I don't know. I got to think about it, I guess. Cool. Okay, and our last question. Why do you try? I try because I love it so much and it keeps me sane. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for coming on the show, Robin. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you very much. It was awesome. It almost feels like you knew the structure of the show. It's strange. No, like... <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, you would think that that would be helpful, but I feel like I was just as flummoxed as any other guest, probably. <laughs> yeah. Like you think, oh, I'll know what to say. And then you're like, uh, yeah. I don't know. You're pretty good. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. I'm just so excited to see your ongoing cool things that you're doing and, and um, that you're making this triathlon world better all the time. Thank Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for being a part of this Humans of Triathlon community. Hope you're enjoying the show and the other content. Make sure to join us again next week here on the Hot Podcast, where we'll bring you another amazing guest and story from this Audrey but extra Audrey world of triathlon. Until then, everyone, keep trying.